With the northern kingdom in bondage to the ruthless Assyrians, hope was hard to come by. All that was left was despair, which can lead mankind down darkened paths. For King Hezekiah, he knew that his people had to first free themselves from the bonds of idolatry if they would ever truly be free. Only a few generations later, King Josiah would rise up on the heels of more wicked kings and practices, eager to find a place for himself and his kingdom with God once again. As many of us can witness for ourselves, Josiah's discovery and exploration of Holy Scripture made possible this conversion to the Lord. I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding that the Spirit can teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up. Having a strong relationship with God has been um, extremely important to me because I feel like I really can't do challenging things without Him. And He gives me the strength that I need to make it through. I think it's during those times where you're really like stressed and pulled that you remember what is most important in life. And that's my relationship with God because I know He loves me and He wants to help me. When my relationship with the Lord is stronger, I don't get beaten down by the trial. I can move past it and learn from the experience. One of my favorite quotes is, stop telling God how big your mountains are and start telling your mountains how big your God is. Welcome everyone. The topics for our discussion today come from our studies in the book of 2 Kings, chapters 17 through 25. And the first topic we're going to discuss is, I can stay true to the Lord during challenging times. And the second one is, the scriptures can turn my heart to the Lord. And to help us with our discussion today, we want to welcome back one of our scholars, Patrick Mason. Patrick, welcome. Always happy to be here. I love having Patrick here. He just brings so much knowledge and insight, and he's a lot of fun to be around. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So Patrick Mason is an associate professor of religious studies and history at Utah State University. And our special guest for today is President Mark L. Pace. President Pace, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Great to be here. President Pace is the Sunday School General President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So Patrick, before we get into the specifics of our first topic, do you mind just giving us a little bit of historical context? Yeah, sure. So, so what we have here in the, the books of Kings, so this is like 400 years of, of history. And just in these chapters that we're studying, there's 150 years of, of history. And they begin with the invasion of the Assyrian army. Now remember that there's two kingdoms. Uh, we've been talking about this the, the past few weeks. There's the northern kingdom of Israel and then the southern kingdom of Judah. And so you've got this enormous Assyrian empire, right, that's come in and they invade, first of all, this northern kingdom of Israel. And this is where we talk about the 10 tribes, that's where they live in the northern kingdom. Uh, so it's destroyed and they're scattered and dispersed and, and sent into exile. Okay. And then Assyria turns its, its attentions onto this little tiny kingdom of Judah the, down south. Now Judah hangs on, for about 140 years wow. until the next superpower comes along. <laughs> and so now we get the Babylonians come along. They're after the Assyrians. And it's the Babylonians who finally, they invade again. And finally, it's in the year 586 when Jerusalem falls to the Babylonians. Okay, did you guys get all that? <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll, we'll, of course, we'll revisit. And you know, as we talk, we'll slow down so we can really understand what is happening. And so as we jump into our first topic, 
I can stay true to the Lord during challenging times. President Pace, what are some of the challenging times that the Israelites are facing specifically? It was a period of, of great wickedness. Uh, as Moses had led the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt and they came into this part of the world and, and the Lord had for them to be a covenant people and a, and a different people. And over time they struggled to stay true to that. And what we're seeing at this time is that they have, ex they have uh, adopted many of the pagan uh, rituals and beliefs and worships and, and they're worshiping idols and thus leads to all their problems. So we see this theme a lot in the Old Testament, I feel, of idol worship. When we think about idol worship, I think, you know, we think about let's build a statue, let's right. bow down. Um, are there some more modern forms of idol worship that we need to be careful of in modern times? And if so, what are there they? There are so many. There are so many. And you think about what things do I get too involved with or get out of balance in that in essence have become my gods? Is it sports? Is it entertainment? Is it travel? Is it my house? Is it stuff? And the prophets continue to uh, guide us and teach us and bring us back home to worshiping the Lord our God and Jesus Christ. And we just need to be mindful that it's an ongoing challenge throughout all periods of time and including ours. I think that's such a good point because sometimes we can read these chapters and it's like, these dummies, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like why How don't they get they? it, right? It's like a golden calf, come on, right? You know, uh, but, but we have ours too. They, they look different, but we absolutely have our idols. And a few hundred years from now, people are gonna look back at us and say, come on, you know? It helps me read the scriptures with a little more charity uh, toward, towards them, uh, that, that I can see their struggles in my struggles as well. Yeah. So we had a, a question that came in from one of our viewers, and I would love to hear from the audience and what they have to say, and then we'll get your thoughts on it. Hi, my name is Yael. I live in Chugiak, Alaska. My question has to do with idol worship. We know that Moses lifted up the brazen serpent for the Israelites to look at and to be healed, but later King Hezekiah destroyed that same brazen serpent because the Jews had turned it into an idol that they worshiped. So my question is, how do we know when we're crossing the line between something that builds our faith to something that we have turned into an item of worship? That's a really good question. Uh, so how do we know when we cross the line between having a symbol of faith to having something we worship or idolize? So what are your thoughts, Warren? Well, there's a, a brief verse in here uh, where they talk about idol worship. It says, therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. So I think how we can distinct the two is when we no longer feel the presence of the Lord in our lives or we, know we don't feel the Holy Ghost. Guide us the way we should. Okay, so one more question. Sure. Uh, so you talk about how you can feel it when the Lord is not with you. So can oh, yeah. you describe how does it feel when it's like, okay, what I'm doing is right and then what does it feel like when you're comparing the two of, ah, this feels kind of wrong now? Well, I feel like we can walk in, to borrow a line from scripture, walk in confidence before the Lord um, and have that reassurance through the Holy Ghost and, and maybe through personal revelation. Okay. Uh, and so when we, we feel that warmth from the, and we feel that comfort from the Holy Ghost, I feel like that's how we can tell that we're on the right path. Warren, thank you. I think you've helped us understand a little bit more 
on you know, the answer, how we can answer this question. Thank you so much. And we had another comment from Lisa. We're looking at these scriptures and it's 400 years. So we see the beginning, the middle, the end. And we're like, well, yeah, that's how it ends up. But in our own life, we only see the now. But looking back five years, we can see the experience. So Lisa, what helps you stay focused on what really matters? I think going back to if, if it's good, if it's praiseworthy, if it brings out the best in us, if it makes us happy and it brings us joy, that's of the spirit. When it's opposite feelings of that, that's when we know we've been interrupted with our connection with God. The comments that have been made talk about the influence of the spirit and what we feel. And, and what came to mind is, as you were speaking was that we have been given the gift of the Holy Ghost and it's our responsibility to live worthy and to be sensitive to those promptings that come from the Holy Ghost. And we partake of the sacrament every week saying that we would remember him so that we could have his spirit to be with us. And that process of week after week partaking of the sacrament, seeking to be worthy of the spirit, guides us and directs us and helps us not get off in strange paths, worshiping things that don't add up to anything, but we're remembering him, remembering the Savior. And I, the great blessing of the Holy Ghost, I think, answers that question for us. So Patrick, we are in a situation with Hezekiah and mm -hmm. things are not the most ideal. Do you mind talking to us a little bit about him and his process of dealing with the challenges that he's facing? So Hezekiah is the king in Judah, again, this, this southern kingdom after the, the, the northern kingdom has now been destroyed. And, and so, so think about it, like he, he's the king of this tiny little country, he's up against Assyria, which is this enormous empire. And we can see this on the map right here. I mean, you're yeah. right, it really is a small little Exactly, so the southern kingdom in Jerusalem is the, the capital of that. So already his, his neighbors, Israel, they've been wiped out, right? So imagine how frightening that is, how intimidating it is when you're up against wow. the Assyrian empire. I think we can feel that way a lot in, in our lives. And one of the things that I love about Hezekiah and, and about his response, I mean, the Assyrians come, they, didn't, they don't stop at Israel, then they come to Judah and they come right up to Jerusalem and they lay siege to Jerusalem. And Hezekiah's like, what am I gonna do? And what does he do? He turns to the prophet. I love that. The other Christophan has a great quote that goes along with kind of the situation that Hezekiah finds himself in right now. He said, it is challenging but vital to remain firm and steadfast when we find ourselves in the furnace of affliction, something that comes soon or late to all of us. Remaining firm in the faith of Christ will bring his sustaining grace and support. I would love to hear some thoughts or questions from anything that we've studied so far from the audience. Emily. I feel like for me, as I grasp the Holy Ghost and the impressions that it gives me um, that can come that are like so random throughout my day, if I will grasp onto those, then it will help me through the challenges in my daily life. And also it reminds me that the Lord is mindful of me and that it helps us to stay on track to not worship those things that we should not, but also to know that what the Holy Ghost teaches us will guide us through those challenging times. Emily, I love how you, you talked about the Holy Ghost uh, and using that so much on a daily basis. Sometimes I think we struggle really understanding when the Holy Ghost is trying to communicate with us. Do you mind sharing with us how that works for you? What does that feel like? Or how do you know when you're being inspired by the Holy Ghost? So two years ago, I actually got multiple brain injuries in a year. And as I've been like going through that process of healing and 
going through doctors, there's been so many people that will say different things, you know, like, oh, you should try this, or you should go there. And it's been that Holy Ghost that's given me that constant peace that guides me to know, like, I need to try this, or I need to go here, hold on to that hope, or don't end here. Like, we'll get those answers. Learning how the Holy Ghost speaks to you will help you through those challenging times. Thank you, Emily. And how is your recovery going? Still in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a great example of just, you know, what we've been talking about. I mean, you're in that fiery furnace, but you're staying strong. And thank you for being such thank a great you. example to us. I would just love to hear thoughts, comments from what we've been talking about, what you'd like to add. Well, thanks, Ben. I, I just in Second uh, Kings 18 and 19, a couple of things jumped out at me. I, you know, this Hezekiah, he's living in a wicked society. It's a tough time. But we read in verse five, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. Uh, six, he claved to the Lord and departed not from following him. Seven, and the Lord was with him and he prospered. But that didn't mean problems went away. It didn't mean that there still weren't challenges. And then later on we see in verse 19, when he's dealing with the Assyrians and they're right outside the door and life just couldn't be any worse, because he has lived righteously, he knows where to turn. There's something inspiring to me that Hezekiah was able to have that sort of relationship with the Lord because of his faithful conduct that had prepared him for the hour of need. And that was just inspiring to me. Well, and what I love about this too is, is so you've, you've got one of the Assyrian generals who's there, you know, they've, they, they've laid siege to Jerusalem. And he says to them, this is chapter 18, verse 33, have any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his land out of the hand of the king of Syria? In other words, we've come and conquered all these places. They all have their yeah. gods, right? Yeah. You know, who haven't protected these people. So this is when Hezekiah goes to Isaiah in chapter 19. And he says, you know what? That Assyrian general, he was half right. Because he says, they've cast their gods, all these other nations, they've cast their gods into the fire. They were no gods. They were the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they've destroyed them. He's like, he's right. Those gods didn't protect them. But guess what? Our God is different. And so that's why you can be not afraid. Those idols aren't going to save you. But the Lord God will save you. Not necessarily always protect you from hard times. But be not afraid because you can put your trust in the Lord. I love that, Patrick. Thank you. President Pace, uh, I would, you know, through your experience serving in the church and in, in your business, serving missions, uh, have there been moments when you've had to really evaluate your level of trust? All of us are going to have challenges and worries and difficulties. Some of the sweetest prayers for me are, I'm doing the best I can, but you know what? I can't do this myself. I just can't. I can't do this. Please help me. And Without fail, you pour out your heart to the Lord, you stand up, you put one foot in front of the other, and you go forward, and he makes you equal to the task, and he lifts you and he blesses you, and, and uh, you know, if, if we think this life is, is somehow because we're trying to live the commandments that there won't be challenges, that's counter to the purpose of this mortal existence. But we are not alone, and... Uh, the Lord is with us as we remember him and try to be worthy of the promptings of the Spirit as we've talked about earlier today. Thank you, President Pace. I, I think, I mean, there's a great, a great quote from Sister Marriott who says, Scripture says, search diligently, pray always, and be believing, and all things shall work together for your good. This doesn't mean all things are good, but for the meek and faithful, things both positive and negative work together for good. We wait on him, for that time of healing and wholeness to come. 
I just think that's such an important acknowledgement that no matter how righteous you are, I mean, and we see this throughout the scriptures. I mean, th- this, this is what the scripture teaches. Bad things are gonna happen. Life is not gonna be perfect, but if you wait on the Lord, he will bring that healing and that wholeness. Patrick, can you give us an example of something that was maybe challenging that later turned out to where you're like, you can see the good that came from it? Yeah, well, I mean, recently uh, my my wife broke her knee, uh, and so so she was laid up in in bed for for a long time. People from church, people from work were amazing to support us, but still spending more time paying attention to her, paying attention to my kids, you know, kind of slowing down and mm-hmm. and tr- and trying to, you know, minimize some of the other things in my life. It's, it's not something I'd want to revisit. It's not something I don't want her to break her other knee, right? <laughs> right? But it, it refined my, my soul. Um, and I, I could see the Lord doing that in, in my life and our life as a family. Oh, thank you, Patrick. President Pace, something that we learned from the story about Hezekiah is he received a pretty miraculous miracle from the Lord because of his faithfulness. And it really does show how the Lord really cares about our needs and answers that that prayer that he offers. Uh, would you mind explaining a little bit about that miracle that Hezekiah receives when he's literally on death's door? Well, the Assyrians are outside, you know, outside the door and, and he has exercised faith. And then an angel of God comes and it says 185,000 of the soldiers of Assyrian were killed by the angel. And then they wake up and life has totally changed. I mean, the, the Lord God of Israel came in and protected the people of Judah. I think that we are all like Hezekiah in the sense that we can be faithful in the midst of trying times. We can be faithful to the Lord. We can remember him. We can partake of his sacrament. We can take advantage of the opportunity like we've had today to read and and study and consider the scriptures and the Lord will be with us. Uh, Our situation is not that different than Hezekiah's. I love that. Thank you. What a great way to uh, to wrap up this first topic that we've been discussing. I can stay true to the Lord during challenging times. The scriptures help increase my devotion to God when I put the time to study them and when I truly put the Lord first. I notice for me that if I don't do that first thing in the morning, my day just feels off and I don't feel as close to the Spirit or I don't feel as much peace in my life. As I read the scriptures, I learn who God is and who Christ is and it helps me grow my relationship with them and make it easier for me to just trust in them. I think the scriptures are a very good reminder and stories inspire, stories change. And so I think they help me remember what I already know, that God is there for me. So the second topic we're going to discuss is the scriptures can turn my heart to the Lord. Patrick, you had mentioned earlier that we have a lot of content, but it covers a span of a lot of years. And so we fast forward from the story of Hezekiah in our second topic, we're gonna focus on his great grandson, uh, Josiah. Do you mind kind of catching us up uh, historically on this? Yeah, so we're in the kingdom of Judah now, the Southern kingdom. And and so there's been a series of kings. So we start with Hezekiah, and and this is always the case in the Old Testament. You have like good kings and then bad kings, and they kind of go back and forth. So we have his son, Manasseh, and then grandson, Amon, 
These are bad kings. Manasseh is known as perhaps the most wicked king uh, in, in the Bible. And so, so you know, for all of Hezekiah's righteous reforms, now Manasseh reintroduces idol worship e even into the temple. Okay. And he reigns for a very long time. Uh, and then his son Amon uh, uh, reigns for just a short time. But then we get to Josiah. Josiah becomes king at the age of eight. Uh, so very young, uh, but now Josiah is a very righteous king. And, and I think that's what we're gonna focus on here is, is his reforms in terms of helping bring back the scriptures, bring back temple worship, and reverse some of the things that his father and grandfather had done. It's a pattern throughout scriptures, right? That oftentimes mm -hmm. the Lord calls very young people uh, to, to do his work. Of, of course, we see here Josiah. Uh, we think about Joseph Smith in the modern dispensation, the Book of Mormon, you know, the Prophet Mormon is called at a very young age. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is very young. Uh, and, and so oftentimes, and not always, but oftentimes the Lord works through really young people. Okay, so where do the scriptures, you know, come into play? Because the topic is the scriptures can turn my heart to the Lord. How do we go from an eight-year-old king to talking about the importance of the scriptures. Great, so let's turn to chapter 22 in 2 Kings. Josiah has become a king, and 18 years later, so in, in verse three, in the, the 18th year of, of King Josiah, he decides um, that, that he's gonna restore the temple. I love this at the end of verse five. He, he says he, he brings all these construction workers and everything to repair the breaches of the house. I, I think that's a great language to think about repentance and doing that even in our own lives, right? To repair the breaches of the house. But while they're doing this, while they're renovating, you know, and, but maybe people can relate to this. Like if you ever do a home renovation project, sometimes you like find stuff like in the <laughs> garage or in the closet or something like, wait a minute, I forgot I had that. Well, what they forgot that they had sitting in the temple was the scriptures, right? It's like, where did those go? They were some, on some shelf somewhere like in the back of the temple. But literally, as they're doing this in verse eight, uh, Hilkiah the high priest says unto Chaphon the scribe, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord they rediscover the scriptures. And what most scholars think is this is probably the book of Deuteronomy. It had been sitting there in the temple all along and they didn't know it was there. How often is that the case for us? How often are the scriptures sitting on the shelf, right? They're right there and, and sometimes we forget even that they're there. It's not always a matter of the Lord writing new scripture. Sometimes it's a matter of us rediscovering the scriptures that he's already given us. President Pace, how important do you feel it is in the role that you serve in currently, this idea of repairing the breaches of our houses through the Sunday School program? When I visited with President Nelson and he extended this calling to me, I, I said to him, President Nelson, what do you want the Sunday School general president to do? And he smiled. The first thing he said was, help us get the scriptures deeper into the hearts and souls and the very fiber of the lives of the Latter-day Saints. And uh, uh, repairing the breaches of our lives because we're studying the scriptures and we're, and we're involved with the scriptures in a more profound way. And, and I think that's what's happening in the church is, is we're, we're reading the scriptures more than ever before. In the days of Josiah, they went through multiple generations without even wow. knowing where the scriptures were never mind having the scriptures, reading them and trying to apply them. So you can see what Josiah was working against and what he tried to do when they finally came back into possession and realized they had the sacred word of God. Patrick, how monumental was this moment of Josiah discovering the lost scriptures? This is huge. A lot of scholars say that in a lot of ways, this is 
kind of a turning point. Okay. This is the birth of Judaism in terms of a religion as we know it that's based on scripture that people could have. And this is the, the key about the scriptures is that you can have them. I mean, they would have them in, in their synagogues. You know, at first it's in the temple and then it's synagogues. But today uh, we can have it in our homes, in our hands. And there's yeah. a lot of similarities of this rediscovering of ancient scripture when we talk about the Book of Mormon and the Restoration. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I don't think you can minimize at all the, the power of Scripture. Right? And, and we see this in the Book of Mormon, actually, in this Restoration Book of Scripture. There's two different groups of people who, who sail across the ocean. One has the Scriptures with them, one don't, and they have completely different outcomes in terms of their faithfulness, right. their ability to remember the Word of the Lord, to, to worship the Lord, uh, and, and to be righteous. So we just cannot at all overestimate the power and importance of the Scriptures. Okay, well, let's find out if this really works in real life. Okay. okay. So we're going to go real time. <laughs> and uh, as we're talking about the importance of the Scriptures, what kind of a difference have you seen in your life because of the Scriptures? Emily. For me, I feel like the scriptures are our own daily little pep talk. One of my favorite ways to study the scriptures is even when I'm just in a hurry, I'll just open it up and I'll even read something that I already have highlighted. And it'll be just like a short phrase, like be not afraid or go and do or um, service or love or hope, something about that. And that's usually what holds me through my day as my little pep talk. And if we realize that even if it's only like a five minute study or like a one minute, one phrase, here you go, like that truly helps me in my day feel that peace and gives me that guidance. So Emily, if you're anything like me, I learn the importance of the scriptures when I don't read them because I feel that there's a difference. Do you feel that in your life, there is a difference in your day when you don't do the, that little daily reminder reading? Oh, absolutely. Like I just feel off. Like things don't feel like they flow as much smoothly like they did before. I don't feel as much peace. Like I don't feel like I feel the Holy Ghost as much. But whenever I read the scriptures, it's like literally, you're just like putting on that armor every day. It's that little pep talk. You're like, we can do this, let's go. Thanks, Emily. That's exciting. I get excited just hearing her talk about that. <laughs> that gets me excited about, man, I gotta make sure I keep doing that. Thank you so much. Uh, we had another comment from Warren. Yeah, I, I feel like I have been missing the spirit in my life over the last few months uh, and throughout these discussions, it's really inspired as well as, you know, motivated me. I, I said a, a little personal prayer and, and hoping and praying for a personal revelation. And so I've been overwhelmed with the feeling of spirit and I'm just so happy to be here and happy to hear the comments. So I think presently and in, in this, this discussion, we're all drawing closer to the Lord. Warren, thank you so much. Do you feel like in your life sometimes that a lack of dedication to studying the scriptures can kind of lead to an absence of the spirit at times? Oh, I mean, definitely. A few days off may seem like not a big deal, but they will gradually kind of a domino effect lead into maybe a greater absence and a greater distance from the Lord. So yes, I think it is important that we stay on top of it. This is amazing. I, I think what we're seeing here is the power of studying the Word of God together, too. As we've learned from President Nelson that it's home-centered and church-supported. The miracle in our lives is happening at home as we're reading the Scriptures. One person reading the Scriptures and that experience is blessed by the Holy Ghost. That is where the miracle is happening. And then we get together for the church-supported part sort of like this discussion we're having here, and it's wonderful. And we have a teacher that teaches us, but we have come, we come to class with an ability to contribute because we've been reading during the week. 
It's not like we're coming to class as good as Patrick would be. I'm not going to Sunday school to sit back and listen to him talk for 50 minutes anymore. The success of the class depends on all of us as we've come and we're able to contribute from our insights and experience reading during the week. I thought it was fascinating here. Uh, after Josiah had read the scriptures, uh, 2 Kings 23, 11, after he had read the scriptures and he realized what the book of the law said, he rent his, his clothes, we get into the next chapter, and then he, in verse two, he read in their ears the word of the book of the covenant. So it wasn't just enough for him, but then he shared it with his people and he read the scriptures to them, just like we get together and read the scriptures together and have that marvelous experience. And when we study the scriptures together, sometimes it reminds us of the things that, that we should be doing. It, it reproves us, it corrects us. I, I, there's so much power in doing it as a group. President Pace, what difference have the scriptures made for you personally throughout your life? They've made all the difference. They've made all the difference. Uh, it all started when my mom asked me if I had had an experience with the Holy Ghost that I knew the church was true. And I said to her, I was about maybe 11, 12 or something like that. And I said, no. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, Mark, Heavenly Father wants to tell you, but you need to put in the effort. And, she, and I said, what effort? She said, you need to read the scriptures. And she pointed me to the Book of Mormon. You need to read the Book of Mormon, and then you need to pray. It moved me into a different approach to it, realizing that I was responsible for the spiritual promptings that would come because of my efforts and seeking them. And, and I, I engaged in the scriptures, and, and I, I, I re-engage, and I re-engage, and I re-engage now. And they're the key to conversion, and they're the key to reconversion and reconversion and reconversion throughout our lives. Has your perspective changed uh, in your current calling as the General Sunday School President? Just uh, a better understanding of the, as I, I use the word magic, the magic happens at home, mm -hmm. but the importance, as President Nelson has taught us, that, uh, it's, that it's home-centered and that in the midst of a difficult world, it's not enough to have a marvelously spiritual experience on Sunday and then the rest of the week to be like this. It's not enough because eventually we'll stop reading the scriptures and, and two or three days we'll go to a week, to a month, to a year, and, 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 and Satan leads us off. But it's important that we have the wonderful experience on Sunday, but that Monday's great too. And Tuesday and Wednesday, all during the week, we're having the Spirit with us because we're remembering the Savior as we're endeavoring to read his words in the, in the scriptures. What a beautiful testimony. Patrick, I don't know if, I, if you feel the same thing, but I, I really do, based off of everything that we've talked about today, I just, I just feel this greater desire to really refocus and recenter on the importance of, of studying the scriptures. Before we wrap, is there anything that you'd like to add as far as someone who has dedicated their life to studying the scriptures? I just absolutely believe, as, as Jesus says, that, that the scriptures are the words of life. Right? I mean, they, 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 they bring me life, they bring me peace, they bring me hope, they bring me perspective, they cause me to repent. I think one of the most important things, one of the things that, that we oftentimes don't get in the rest of the world is anybody telling us to change, to look at ourselves and, and fix the things, to, to repair the breaches in our own lives. The scriptures call me to be better. And going to church calls me to be better. And I need that because I have a lot of things that I need to it's improve. It's hard to get mad at the scriptures you know, for, exactly. for calling you to repent. Exactly. And so my life is better because the scriptures call me to be better. Patrick, thank you so much for sharing that. This has been a wonderful feeling. 
uh, everything that you guys have added. Thank you so much. Uh, we're gonna you know, continue this discussion within these chapters as we head to footnotes, but how fun has it been to have such a great audience with us uh, as we've talked about our second topic, the scriptures can turn my heart to the Lord. Today in the discussion, I learned a lot about the importance of scriptures and how, you know, just starting off your day with that, how that can change your intentions with everything. I find a lot of the time when I don't read my scriptures that before I go out and communicate with others or before I send a message, I might not know what my intentions truly are with them. And my communication and like my love and everything that I portray is just a lot stronger after reading my scriptures. After today, I wanna to dive deeper into the scriptures with my children and teach them to love the scriptures and also to be aware of their divine purpose and what gift the scriptures are in our lives that we have to use. Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. All right, guys, we've talked about a lot of really good things. Uh, there's a lot of things that we still can talk about. One thing that I, I don't know if we touched on too much is um, the aftermath of Josiah, that he's doing his best, yet things don't always work out. Yeah. Uh, so can you tell us what's going on with him and what happens after this? Well, I, th I think President Pace, I think, has some great insights on this. But I mean, one of the things to remember about Josiah is that even though he is this, this righteous king, right, who does all these amazing things, he dies suddenly in battle, and, th and then things uh, continue to go downhill in the kingdom of Judah after that. And one of the things I, I love about the Old Testament is it shows how complex life really is, right? It's, it's not all Disney movies, you know, right. with, with happy endings and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's complicated. But I, I think it is useful to, to dive in and look at just, just what amazing reforms he made. Sure, I'd, I'd happy to hit a couple of those. So like in 2 Kings 22, uh, verse 11, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, he, he rent his clothes. And like we were talking about before, they hadn't had the scriptures for uh, many, many, many years. And then, and then they're found again in the temple. And, and so Josiah reads the scriptures. They're very powerful to him. Then he starts to act on them. I mean, he doesn't just like feel things. He starts to act. Uh, you go to the beginning of chapter 23, verse two, and he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant. So he, he, he shared the message, but he read the book to his people, and then they reacted to it. It says that the king stood by a pillar and he made a covenant to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments, and, and many of the people followed after him. It's interesting to note in, in chapter 23 that he decides to get rid of the bad things, to do all he can to get the evil things out of his society. If you go to verse four, five, six, seven, and eight, he gets the uh, worshiping of Baal gone. He gets rid of the idolatrous priests. Uh, he brought out the grove of the house of Israel from the house of the Lord. Which is one of the idolatrous altars. Okay, yeah. that's good because I didn't know what that yeah, was. Right. All right. Yeah, to one of the pagan and, gods. And yeah. seven, then he, he break down the house of the Sodomites. And eight, he brought all the priests out of the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense, et cetera, et cetera. So he did all he could to get the evil gone but even that wasn't enough. You go to the, towards the middle of chapter 23, verse 21, he says to the people, keep the Passover unto the Lord your God. Surely there was not holden such a Passover from the days of the judges, that he might perform the words of the law which were written in the book. I mean, this guy was serious. And then I'll finish up in verse 25. And it says, and like unto him, there was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart, 
and with all his soul and with all his might. And you say, what made Josiah what he was like? Well, one of them was that when he got the scriptures, he really got them. Yeah. And he really tried to change everything because of what he read in the scriptures. And it was, that's a very powerful message for me. Man, like how does somebody who's living in a world where the king is seducing you and encouraging you to do evil, yet through that, he was able to, to rise above. And I, I was also impressed that you read a scripture talking about how Josiah, when he found the scripture, he rents his clothes when he read them. What led to him as he's reading the scriptures, why do you think he reacted in that, in that way of just such anguish? So they had been in a state of apostasy and they didn't even know they had the scriptures. They were there in the temple, they were by the Ark of the Covenant, whatever. They didn't have them. And then they discovered them, they rediscovered them, and, and he reads them for the first time in his life. And I wonder what he, what he read and how he thought, oh, I wished we had had this in my father's times, in my, you know, all of all this that has happened to so much wickedness in this society, it didn't have to be so if we had had the scriptures and we had followed them. It's a godly sorrow, but, but then it motivates him to get to work, yeah. right? He doesn't just stay there right. in sackcloth and ashes. He says, I'm, I'm gonna do something about this. Do we have any, in, any indication of why, what led Josiah, um, whether scripturally or doctrinally, why is it that somebody like that was able to overcome such horrible circumstances. It's, it's hard to know because we don't know much here. You know, at, at the beginning of, of chapter 22, when we're introduced to him, he's just eight years old. He gets mm -hmm. to be king. And, but I, I think we see this all the time in, in people's lives that individuals, they make a choice, yeah. right? Regardless of their background, regardless of what their parents did, their grandparents did, regardless of the, of the surrounding society, just, I mean, and, and, and of course we believe this. This is so core to, to our theology of, of just agency. Right, that yeah, there's there's a lot of background noise. Yeah. There's a lot of kind of secondhand smoke, right? That that can that can impede our agency in certain ways. But at the end of the day, uh, we can make choices. And and there's so many examples of people who stand up with integrity and make the choice to follow God, even when every voice in their life is saying otherwise. Yeah. It's 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 beautiful that verse two. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, what, a, what a good man, what yeah. a devoted, faithful servant. I mean, I, I love, you know, Viktor Frankl, uh, who's the, yeah. the, the, the Holocaust survivor. Right. Talk about the worst, literally, the worst you can imagine yeah. in terms of circumstances. And, and he said, you know, the, the, the one thing that other people can't take away from you is the, the power of choice. Exactly right, and, and you know, as we read in the, in the Pearl of Great Price, we will prove them now herewith. We will prove them, we will test them. You know, they'll have the opportunity to, to choose good versus evil. The great thing, of course, is that the Lord doesn't judge you versus me. It's me versus me yesterday. That's right. And, yeah. uh, and, and so that's, uh, it's, it's a gospel of eternal progression and eternity is long. So no, no matter how far we get uh, in, in this life, we still have a long runway in front of us too. You know, and as we learned from Manasseh, there is this constant seduction, this yeah. constant pull from the other side, trying to get us to forget, trying to get us to focus on other things that don't matter. Very few are the prophets who have ruled over or have been in society where it was 
just like it, I mean, you know, it just doesn't happen very often. Right. We read about it in Third Nephi. We read about it with Enoch. But for most of the rest of us, we're trying to live the gospel of Jesus Christ in a society that is pulling the other direction. Yeah. The wonderful thing about the scriptures is we get more and more examples of righteousness overcoming evil uh, as we're guided by the Spirit and blessed by the Lord, and and those things inspire us and lift us. I mean, for me, it, it reminds me of a parable that, that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 12. And uh, I, have to, I have to read it because nobody knows this one. <laughs> and, uh, and it starts in verse 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I'll return into my house from whence I came out. When he's come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. So imagine, so the image here is of a house uh, that this evil spirit has been driven out of, right? And then, and then the, the, the people have cleaned the house, right? They've, they've swept it, you know, it, it's all empty. But then this evil spirit comes back, it says, and he finds it empty. And he says, so then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So in other words, it's not just enough to get rid of the evil spirit, but then if the house is empty, then you just leave it for, for that evil spirit to come back and bring his friends this time. You've got mm. to fill it with good things, with the Passover, with the scriptures, with the, you know, keeping the commandments. Fills it with good things so there's no room to, 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 to come back with those extra others. Josiah, for as amazing as he was, his own personal repentance, all the things that he tried to do in this society, they didn't take hold. So maybe the king got rid of the altars, you know, all this kind of stuff. But even his son and everything, you know, they, they go right back to the same old habits that they developed under King Manasseh uh, and, and so forth. And I think there's a great, you know, lesson here that, that Josiah was fine. As, as you said, he, he's remembered as one of the great and righteous kings here. But, but that repentance didn't take hold among the people. They sort of more or less stayed in their ways and so those prophecies that had been made a couple generations earlier by prophets, those were still in place because the, the people chose not to follow this righteous leader. Yeah. And I think about how can that apply to us in our lives. Uh, we have uh, President Nelson and his counselors and the Quorum of the Twelve and, and their, their wisdom and their leadership and their goodness. But the church is more than 15 right. prophets, seers, and revelators. And the Lord needs regular folks like us to go and do and to be righteous and to walk in paths of righteousness and follow their example. But we need the Latter-day Saints and the Lord needs the Latter-day Saints to, to stand up and, and be counted for good and to get rid of the evil and put in the efforts to do what's right as we live the gospel just like it was. It's what they needed then and, and we need to do it now. Since we're in this setting, I think it's kind of fun. Do you have a favorite go-to scripture that you've used as this, this is my rock, this is what keeps me strong? Well, I, it's a little bit earlier in the Old Testament, but Genesis 18, 14 is a very meaningful scripture for me. It's Abraham and Sarah, and uh, they've never had any children, and, and then the Lord comes and visits them and promises that they'll have children. <clears throat> and Sarah laughs, and then the Lord says to Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? It's just been a sweet scripture to me as I face challenges or worries, and not knowing exactly the way forward, just remembering, is anything too hard for the Lord? That's great, thank you. 
Patrick, well, what do you think? It's, uh, I mean, I have so many, but uh, but that actually reminds me of one of my favorites that was actually on the uh, little plaque that I had as a missionary, yeah. you know, when, oh, yeah. when, when you go out. Luke chapter one. This is, um, you know, when Mary, uh, Gabriel has just come said, you're, you're going to have this son. And she, she's all, you know, something about this miraculous thing of, yeah. of uh, when, when we encounter God. And in verse 37, it says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, when Isaiah says to Hezekiah, be not afraid, that's why, right? And is anything too hard for the Lord? You know, with God, nothing is impossible. That's, that's why. I love that. Well, are there other things? There's a lot that exists in these chapters that we've uh, studied this week. So can I talk stores. about Hulda? Yes, let's yeah. go Hulda. Let's talk about Hulda because there are, you know, we've been talking about all these uh, incredible kings and, and things like this. Well, we, we encounter here in chapter 22, one of these amazing righteous women. So this is right after Josiah has, they've discovered the book uh, of the law and they go to, to Hulda, who is introduced here as, as a prophetess. And we, we see this a few other times. So we have Deborah, Deborah, we have Miriam, we have a handful of other women who are referred uh, this way. And, and, and they go to her and she, she prophesies to them. She said, yeah, this, these are the scriptures, right? Pay attention to this, <laughs> right? Sometimes in, in, in the modern Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we, we think about uh, the role of, of prophet and of course prophet, seer, and revelator connected to priesthood mm-hmm. keys, connected to the apostleship. And we sustain 15 men as prophets, seers, and revelators. In, in the Old Testament, of course, things are a little bit different. Sometimes they use language a little bit differently. Here, it's referring to this woman of just remarkable spiritual gifts, right? Uh, a prophetess. In Revelation, it talks about the testimony of Jesus as the spirit of prophecy. So she has this incredible gift, and I love that these very powerful men, the king, the, the priest, the scribes, they go and they recognize the spiritual power of this woman. Uh, and she's central to this story. I, I just love that. That's really cool. And she, you know, even prophesies here. She, she says, you know, she says some hard things against the, the, the people of Judah because they're not going to repent. But she also speaks words of comfort to Josiah because she says, okay, you got it, right? President Pace, any uh, thoughts you have from any of these uh, Well, just chapters? in that same chapter, uh, just a little bit more towards the end, I think Josiah's reaction and the way he accepted the scriptures is a really sweet example for us. I mean, we've talked about how it was sort of shocking for him and he wished they could have been different. But then but then he is told, verse 19. This is Hulda talking. This is Hulda talking to him. Because thine heart was tender and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord when thou heardest what I spake. In other words, when he was accepting the scriptures, his reaction was he was humble and meek, and uh, I think that's a great way for us to be when we're in the scriptures. As the Spirit prompts us to make changes in our lives or to be better, we could follow the the example of Josiah. I love that. President Pace, I'd love to just kind of get some of your thoughts. As you worked with the Come Follow Me program, there's a huge emphasis on scripture study within the home. Sometimes that can be challenging because we're dealing with lots of different age groups and we're dealing with time. Um, would you mind speaking to us a little bit about the Come Follow Me program and how we can try to implement it more in our homes? I think about uh, with the passage of all these thousands of years of this mortal existence that this earth has been here, what has the Lord given us from generation to generation? He's given us the scriptures. Mm-hmm. The, the Come Follow Me resource that, the, that, that has been provided for us by the church is such a wonderful blessing. It helps us study the scriptures sort of in 
bite-sized, week-at-a-time pieces. We're not just racing through. Right. We're, we're, you know, sometimes we're, oh, there's only two chapters. Yeah, there's just two chapters this week, but <laughs> stay home on it. Read it. Yeah. Read what the manual says. Talk about it. Read it again. And, and it's designed for individuals and families, and it's designed for families of all age group. The instruction in there is to use this manual however it works for you and your family. And so there's no one-size-fits-all. Okay. As Latter-day Saints are reading the scriptures, we are expressing to the Lord our desire to be closer to Him, and we become even more worthy to have the influence of the Holy Ghost in our lives. You know, if you remember what President Nelson said at the end of the 2018 General Conference when he introduced it, he talked about uh, transforming our homes into sanctuaries of faith, he talked about remodeling our homes into centers of gospel learning. Mm. And then if we would do that, that, he made us four promises. The first one was that over time our Sabbath days would be a delight. Our children would love learning and living the Savior's teachings. The influence of the adversary in our homes and in our individual lives would decrease. And that these changes would be dramatic and sustaining. Wow. And uh, so we're, you know, we're... Three and a half years into this, we're in the middle of, uh, of studying the Old Testament this year, but we are seeing that blessing carried out in the lives of the saints as we have the faith to put to the test the invitation of the prophet of God to study the scriptures and to study it with our families and our loved ones. And I don't think there's anything more important we could possibly be doing as Latter-day Saints. Uh, Josiah was blessed to have the scriptures. We have them. The tragedy would be is if we have them, but we don't. But we have them, and we're invited to, to, to learn of them and to make them more of a part of our lives. And I, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful to live now and to have this blessing and grateful for the scriptures, all of them, all of them, and the blessing they are in our lives. Well, I, I, I think that's so powerful, and I think Absolutely. one of the great things about the Sunday School program is that, again, as Latter-day Saints, we have all this scripture, right? And Sunday School gives us the opportunity to, to, to do that together on a four-year basis. I like you. Uh, <laughs> let me say this too, though. I've, I've, I had this thought today while I've been here with you, brethren, that we, we go to church and we go to sacrament meeting, and it's a sacred time and it's a sacred place, and we partake of the emblems of the Savior's atonement. But then we have the second hour where we're learning of the words of the Lord in the scriptures, or to his prophets, seers, and revelators, to learn of the words of the Lord, to go and do. Mm -hmm. And both hours matter. Both yeah. hours matter. And then the first, of course, is so sacred. But the second one is to, is to get the word and to learn it and to relearn it and to re-be inspired by it to go out and live it. And, uh, and, and to me, it's, the, it, it's, it's that learning from other people. Yeah. And there's power in doing it together. There's so much in here yeah. where you can spend a lifetime and not exhaust the, the wisdom of these books. And for, for me, the, the, the magic of, of, of reading the scriptures and particularly with the, the Come Follow Me resource now is I find myself saying, Mark, what has the Holy Ghost taught you this week as you've been reading these four chapters? And I try to be thoughtful of that as I'm reading. And when I have impressions and thoughts and, and something jumps off the page at me like it never has before, mm -hmm. even though I've read it before, just really jumps. Well, that's the Holy Ghost talking to me. And then I make note of it. And the, the question of what has the Holy Ghost taught me this week? 
And it's something that we encourage teachers to talk about in their classes. Brothers and sisters, what has the Holy Ghost taught you this week during your reading of these scriptures? Has there been something specific, uh, President Pace, that kind of jumps out of your mind as you've gone through that process and trying to figure out what the Holy Ghost has taught you through the scriptures? If I get to the end of the week and, and I turn my page and what has the Holy Ghost taught you this week and it's empty, it's not the Holy Ghost's fault. It's mine <laughs> because I wasn't attentive yeah. and I wasn't careful in what I was studying. For me, the promptings of the Holy Ghost are, are small little suggestions mm -hmm. and insights that lift me spiritually, that build my faith, that, that uh, fortify my conversion to Jesus Christ. And it's, it's a lot of little week by week, day by day feelings that come. Doctrine and Covenants 8, uh, verse two and three is a great example of that. Uh, where the Lord says to Joseph Smith so that he can share it with Oliver Cowdery, Yea, behold, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost which shall come upon you and which shall dwell in your heart. So I will tell you in your mind, enlightening better thoughts than my own, and then peaceful, warm, comforting feelings to my heart. Enlightening thoughts and feelings of peace help me know that this is truth. And, and when those things are happening, I, I try to pay attention. I try to pay attention. And, 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 it's, so. it's, and it's that balance. I mean, I'm, I'm a, uh, you know, as, as a profession, I'm, I'm a scholar and I'm, I'm an academic. I live in my head, right? And, and the gospel is meant to be in my head, but not only in my head, right? So sometimes I have to remind myself yeah. to, to get down in my heart too. And uh, so for other people, it's probably the other way around, right? And, and maybe they have to remind themselves that, that this is an intellectual activity too, that God, God wants to engage our brains as well, but God wants the whole person. Uh, he wants our hands and feet too, because he wants us to go out and do stuff. Uh, My son is on a mission right now, and it's been amazing to see the change that has taken place in him. And he will tell you himself, it all started because he finally made that choice. I'm gonna use the scriptures for that strength. And it has changed his life. And I just, yeah. I, I hope, and I know you share the same sentiment. I hope that we as members of the church, as youth, that we can just grasp hold of, of the scriptures and learn from them because it, it will change everything about you. This has been just Amazing. Uh, have you had fun, President Pace? Had a blast. It's been it's been a thrill, and uh, and I've I've felt things that have been sweet to me. It's been delicious to me. This whole experience. I, Thank I feel you. the same way, Patrick. It's always so good to have you with us as we've discussed these two fabulous topics. I can stay true to the Lord during challenging times, and the Scriptures can turn my heart to the Lord. Thanks again so much for being here with us today, and thank you all for joining us at home. We want to remind you to follow through on any promptings that you may have felt uh, while being here with us today. Thanks again, and please join us next time for another episode of Come Follow Up. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.